Look around you. What do you see? Objects, people, distances, things you can touch or measure or verify in some other way. But what if someone were to tell you that there existed another dimension outside of what you can see or hear or touch or quantify? A dimension that's all around us and within us, and yet largely invisible to us, where laws of space and time no longer operate. It is this same helpful person might explain to you the dimension that separates the consciousness from the physical. It is the dimension which your soul, your awareness, your ego, whatever it is you want to call the essence that is you, will inhabit when your flesh and blood body is dead or dying. Of course, you'd want to have proof. You'd want to know how they could be so sure, so convinced. This is when the other person, perhaps someone you know well, someone you respect and trust, might look you steadily in the eyes and say, "Because I've been there." L. P. Hartley famously wrote, "The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there." The same might be said of death. It's like a foreign country from which few ever return, and when they do, the rest of us are generally not interested in their slideshows or their snapshots or their souvenirs. Just as, though we might feign polite interest, we don't really want to hear at length about the trekking of the Himalayas or see endless home footage of our neighbor's Kenyan safari. By adulthood, our minds tend to be too flabby around the edges, too out of condition, too lazy even for anything that requires any great leap of imagination. We prefer the known, the irrefutable, the everyday. Which is why these near-death survivors, although some would take issue with the near part of that particular label, tend to keep quiet about their journeys, hugging their memories of that different world, that different dimension, close to their chests. But chances are, you know someone who's been there. Maybe it's your neighbour, maybe someone at work, or your local policeman, or your GP. There won't be any outward sign, no telltale suntan, no souvenir T-shirt, but this person will be going about his or her daily life, perhaps looking after their kids, or drinking in the pub with friends, or just watching the TV. One hundred percent certain that they've had a foretaste of some kind of afterlife. It could be somebody like Robert, a forty-four-year-old deputy head from Northamptonshire. See him teaching a Year Nine maths class, or sitting in on a staff meeting using his metal-framed glasses to emphasise a point, and you'd never imagine there was anything particularly unusual about him. But Robert has visited that other dimension, and it's something he'll never forget. When Robert died in August 1995, his doctors were horrified. But not half as horrified as Robert himself when he unexpectedly came back to life. I'd been in a place of such indescribable peace and calm that coming back into my body felt like the most terrible betrayal. He admits, "I died. If you want to be really dramatic, you could say flatlined on the operating table while I was having my appendix taken out." Apparently, I went into cardiac arrest as a reaction to the anaesthetic they used. 
It sounds bizarre now, although it didn't at the time, but I felt like I was floating a few feet above my body, looking down and seeing myself lying there, surrounded by hospital staff. They were all panicking, except this one nurse who hovered around nervously at the back as if she didn't quite know what she was supposed to be doing. She was very young, and I remember feeling quite sorry for her. Then they were gone, and I found myself facing this immense, intense light, and a feeling of total and utter calm flooded through me. I don't have words to describe it, except to say that I felt completely and utterly safe, warm, and happy. Imagine the most perfect, blissful feeling you've ever had, and then multiply it by a thousand.